0: Well, I'm so glad you've joined us today. You all, I mean, like you're troopers, right? Like you should look to somebody around you, whoever's, because we're socially distanced. Maybe you've got somebody sitting near you. If you have to wave a long way, just give everybody a thumbs up and say, God bless you. If I could pat you on the back, I would. You made it today. I've already mentioned this, but you know, um, there are a lot of people who would love to be here today and just aren't in the best position to do that. Uh, you don't ever know how much you appreciate something until you don't have it. Now, here's here's what, I'm, I'm just going to give a little bit of, I'll get my message in just a second here, but give me a moment if you don't mind to to just have confession because it's good for the soul, right? Um, so, we're in a pandemic, right? And we have been living, you know, the remember last March, let's just do this for a couple of weeks and then life will get better and here we are <laughs> a year later, Um and so I think, like, I think that we've had these experiences of we thought we had things and then they were kind of snatched away and then we were more appreciative of it, right? So I already thought I was appreciative. Like, I already thought I was appreciative that I really valued the, the treasure of the times that we could come together. And and then, of course, treasuring just basic um, things of life that we need. And then you have a, a week like we've had and even more then a week, you know, week and a half. It's going on almost two weeks for some people when they started with power outages and things like that. So then you're like, wow, you know what? Even in the middle of this crazy world that has become the new normal that we hate to say, right? There are words on my list that I, I would never... I don't mind if we never hear them again, like unprecedented. I don't mind if I never hear that again. And I certainly don't want to live in anything unprecedented again. And I don't mind... Um, hearing, you know, the, these other these other words that just remind us of how crazy, but the new normal. And so in the new normal, you know what had happened? This is what I feel like. The new normal, it became normal. And so then you just go right back to taking things for granted. Is it just me? Is it just me that takes things for granted? And so this week, um, it's been challenging and, and been challenging in different ways for everybody. I, I saw something this week that was really... Um, it really um connected with me, and I thought, you know that really is kind of where we are. That old saying before we're all in the same boat, we're really not all in the same boat. we're all in the same storm, and we're in different different uh, vessels, right? <laughs> some of us uh, some of us are just on like just holding on to a piece of driftwood, hoping to make it through, and then others of us, you know we've it, it's we've we've had food and we've had. Um, heat and all these sorts of things so it's, it's been a crazy time but here's what here's what I know for fact that no matter how crazy things get number one we can always turn to God he's always there he never leaves us he's always right there right on time and number two and number two Lord I I don't want you to have to do ridiculous things to get my attention. And I'm not saying this was God doing ridiculous things to get our attention, but I think it was just kind of a wake-up call. And so this entire week in my prayer time, I just tried to linger a little bit longer and I tried to keep my journal there with me more. I don't know about you all, but when when I have, um, you know, there's there's a couple of different ways I pray, um, but... I try to have a journal with me. And I will tell you, um, it feels like when I'm more rushed in prayer, there's not as much that goes written in my journal, you know, because <laughs> I'm kind of needing to get on about my day or those sorts of things. But I try to just linger in the presence of the Lord and say, God, I don't want to take anything for granted. I mean, we're, we've we been living this weird way for this long. And how can you take things? How could I have come, gone back to the place of taking things for granted again? So I, um, I do want to... Just ask each one of us. Um, now that the shock and things are, or you know, power and things are getting restored. A lot of people, it's going to be a long haul for people. Even here at the church, we are very grateful that we were able to have church. We have we have um, burst pipes. Our water main line burst, and it's not fully repaired yet. It's going to be a, a ways before we can even get the right parts. We just kind of have a little fix so that we could come here. We're grateful for that. <clears throat> So grateful. Yesterday at 11 a.m., we weren't sure that we'd be able to be here, so we're very grateful for that. But you're going to have a lot of neighbors who are going to have um, a lot of problems and a lot of issues, and I just want to encourage you, this is the time to be the church. This is the time to be the church. If you are able to open your home up for someone even just to come and take a shower or to give somebody a hot meal or whatever you can do, um, and for, your, for the church family, we've, we've got a lot of folks right now who are struggling, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I know you're going to do it. (laughs) I know you're going to do it. Because this is the time, in in these moments, this is the time for the church to shine. Amen. You know, there's a story about the famous inventor, Thomas Edison. And the story goes that he was working in his lab about 2 a.m. one morning. And that was actually pretty common for him. It was a pretty common practice. And so his assistant knew he was there working late. And his assistant came about 2 a.m., knocked on the door. And, you know, came in, opened the door up saw Mr. Edison sitting there with the biggest smile on his face. Now, he'd been working on this project for quite some time. So he said, hey, have you solved the problem? Did you figure it out? And he, still big smile on his face, replied to him, no, it didn't work. <laughs> he said, but now we know 1,000 things that won't work. So that means I'm so much closer to figuring out what will Now, the lesson to be learned in in that story is that um, the true story of life is not found in our shortcomings. It's not found in the times that we fall short. It's not found in the times that we miss the mark. We all do that, right? We we all have those situations. The true story is what do you do when you fall? Everybody say, when? When? What do you do when you fall? That's really where the t- where the story is told. Victory doesn't come to those who refuse to get up. Victory doesn't come to those who refuse to keep going. Victory comes to those who say, Nope, my shortcomings, my struggles, they don't define me. I've got my worth and my value in who Jesus Christ made me to be, and I'm going to keep moving on in the words of Oliver Goldsmith, he says, Our greatest story and our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising each time we fall. I'm going to say that again. The greatest story and the greatest glory is not in never falling because we all fall, right? From time to time, but it's in rising each time we fall. James Patterson said this another way. He said, failure isn't falling down. Failure is staying down. Is anybody with me today? Failure isn't falling down. Failure is staying down. This is a simple yet powerful message for us here today. And I'm I'm just going to say right out the gate, I believe God's got a word for somebody today. I believe God has a transformative, powerful, life-changing word for somebody today that will absolutely turn around your situation. It will turn around your way of thinking if you receive it today. But now here's, here's, here's what I need from you. I need you, to, I need you to preach with me a little bit, okay? <laughs> I need you to be focused on, not, not on your problems, because when we focus on our problems, we can't lift our eyes up to our Lord. So I need you to focus on his goodness and stay with me here, because here's what's going to happen today. We're going to learn how to reach up, we're going to learn how to look up, and we're going to learn how to get up. Is anybody with me? We're going to learn how to reach up, we're going to look up, and we are going to get up. I want you to know that just because you stumble, it does not mean that it's over. And just because you fall, it does not mean that you are a failure. Just because you fall, I'm, I'm going I'm to just take my time saying that. I'm going to make sure I see every, every eyeball in the room. Just because you fall, it does not mean a failure. That is a lie from the enemy of your soul. Just because you fall, it does not mean you are a failure. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 22. And I hope you're going to find some, um, some encouragement, some hope from this passage today. We're going to uncover a powerful lesson from Jesus himself that will transform the way that we look at our sins and our shortcomings. Luke 22, starting at verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he, this is Simon Peter, speaking back to Jesus, he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. I'm going to speak to you today about a topic, falling isn't failure. Falling isn't failure. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, falling isn't failure? Falling isn't failure? Did did anybody fall on the ice this week? Anybody? A, a, a few, okay. My, my poor daddy did. I know he did. Um, he, he told me that yesterday. Listen, I risked my life. I don't know what day it was. Things were starting to... Um, Things were starting to melt up, but our little dog, Chewy, um, we had custody of him that day. We share with my parents. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange story. We're trying not to go to court with them, but we really are in a custody battle for our dog. And he was at our house, and he does not like the ice. He loves the snow. He does not like the ice. Well, it was the day after it started melting a little bit, and he had to go outside to use the bathroom. And that little, spoiled dog Was crying and crying, and he would not. He would not go out. He just would not. And so finally, and it was early. It was early in the morning, and everyone else in the house was sleeping, and I was up by myself with the dog who was crying, and I was just trying to keep him quiet so that everybody else could sleep. Right, and so anyway, it. I mean, it was you know the back deck. It was six inches still. You know that it it was just iced over. So I, this wasn't smart. I put on Jude's tennis shoes because his feet are much larger than mine and I could still keep my, thick, my real thick socks on. So I went out there and then I realized as I was walking, there's no tread on the bottom. These are old shoes. There is no tread. Jesus, please don't let me die. And so I, you know, traipsed down, holding the little dog, made it over, I had to walk him all the way to the other side. There's this little strip of, by, the, by the fence that had started to melt and it was just grassy. So I walked over there. And I, was, I got there and I said, Thank you so much, Jesus. Because as I was walking over there, it came to my mind. I thought, Oh, if I fall out here, it's still below freezing. It was still quite cold. If I fall out here, and I didn't even have a coat on, I mean, it just was not my finest moment. I'm just going to tell you. Hadn't thought it through. If I fall out here, break my hip, I mean, I could fall on Chewy and kill him. I could break my hip. I could be out here. I could die of hypothermia. And I'm going to tell you right now, I love this man. He wouldn't hear me. He would not hear me screaming outside. Because when he sleeps, he has good sleep. The Lord blesses his sleep. And I was just thinking, I'm going to be dead out here with a dead dog. So we made it. We made it to the grassy area. And then he wanted to just take us. I said, listen, dog. I've risked my life. You just need to do your business. You need to get it done and let's get in the house. And so I had made this path, right? So I got all the way over there and he was then able to follow me back until we got to the steps right at the Devil doors. And he was gonna come up there and he would try to get up and he would just slide down and he would get up and he would slide down. So then I thought, oh no, I have to walk all the way back around here again and made it back in. And I just thought, you know, if I fall, am I going to just have to lay here? Will I even be able to get back up? If I, I mean, that, that that's what was running through my mind. And I'm sure those of you who fell this week, um, you probably didn't have an easy chance getting up, right? I mean, if you fell down and you're in the ice, it was a little bit harder to get up than it would normally be. And, and I'll say that life is like that. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to fall down and you're going to be like, oh, well, that was dumb. You're going to, have you ever seen somebody, I love it. Like, Back when the mall was a thing, you know, when people went to malls and you would just kind of sit, you were waiting for all your people to come back and, you know, so you're kind of sitting because whatever, waiting. So you're people watching. I used to love to sit and you see people walking, talking, whatever. Have you ever seen people walking and they trip? What do they always do when they trip? I mean, I don't like to see people fall and get hurt. I'm not a mean person. Please don't think that. But they trip. What do they always do when they trip? They always turn around and look like, what did this to me? You know, you'll see somebody trip, and they'll always turn back and see. And sometimes it's—and then they want to make—look around. Did anybody see that? I want to just keep going, you know. I hope nobody saw what I was—and sometimes when we fall, it's like that. But sometimes when we fall, y'all, it's like we fell on the ice. It's like we've got nothing. We, we can't—you know, we, we broke our hip. we got nothing to push up on. We are just hoping we can get up off that ice and not dive hypothermia outside, right? Um, <laughs> here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that falling isn't failure because here's the great thing. I don't care if you fall and it's easy and you can hop back up or if you fall on the ice and you feel like you can't get back up. Spiritually, you've got a way of escape. You've got a Lord who is right there to pull you right back up and your falling doesn't have to be failure. Now, I'm going I'm to have a little bit of straight talk with us right now that I hope doesn't offend anyone, but I do have a responsibility, okay? I have a responsibility to share this. Um, it may come as a shock to some of you, but, um, and, there, and there are a lot of churches that just won't even mention this, but I feel like I have a responsibility. You may not know this, but did you know that sin is alive and well in the world? Did, did, you, did you know? Okay, good. Some of you still know that sin is a thing. Sin is still a thing. Sin is still real. Um, there is still right and there is still wrong. <laughs> and there are things that we do. Um, there are choices that we can make that can grieve the heart of God, right? There are, there are struggles in our lives. That, it, it's sin. And um, the, the unfortunate reality is that most of us struggle with sin, deal with sin, battle sin more than we would like to admit. I mean, y'all look so pretty out there today. You would never think that y'all have gone through this crisis week that you have. Y'all look beautiful. And you certainly wouldn't think that you've got any sin that you grapple with, right? You probably, I mean, we just look around at each other. Oh, look at us. We're so great. We're so wonderful. Look at us. No, y'all, sin is ugly. And sin goes down deep. And we don't want to talk about it because it sounds so ugly. And here's why. Because it is. Because it separates us from God. And, and here's what I know. Here's what I found in my life. We can avoid the topic of sin. We don't have to talk about it. But it still doesn't change the reality that it separates us from God. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. Sin separates us from God. And so we can either put our bury our heads in the sand <laughs> or we can open our hearts and say, God, here's my heart. And whatever's in my life that's not like you, I want you to remove that. Because I know that if I have unrepented sin in my life, that that can eternally separate me from the presence of God. And so when we repent, it means confessing those sins. It's asking for forgiveness, but it's saying, Lord, I don't want to walk in that same way. I want to give this over to you. I want to turn and go a different way. That's what I want to do. Because when we hold on to those sins, when we don't repent, what we do is we build this wall. We, not God, God doesn't build it. We build this wall that keeps us from the flow of his mercy. Now, I want want us to know that (laughs) falling to sin isn't failure if we push beyond it. It's not. It's simply not. But we've got to be willing to surrender and completely let it go to God. And I'm talking about the big, bad, ugly sins that we all know about, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, murder, just, you know, all these things, stealing, lying, the Ten Commandments, pornography, addiction, fornication, abuse, I'm talking about all these things. But y'all, I'm talking about the little Christian sins that we so so conveniently feel comfortable with as well. I mean, I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about judgmentalism, I'm talking about self-righteousness. I'm talking about things that people don't see um, but that are in our hearts. Um, so all these things. We've got to give them over to God. And I know that as I talk about sin, I know we're all, okay, I'm, again, straight talk here. I'm sure we're all like, oh, Lord, where is she going to go? Is she going to talk about my sin? Am I going to be uncomfortable here? I'm just like kind of, you know. <laughs> I, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to know. The Spirit of the, the, spirit of the Lord does not condemn It doesn't because there is liberty in the spirit of the Lord. There is power to overcome. The spirit of the Lord convicts and there's a huge difference. We never want to shut out that conviction because conviction is God's spirit drawing us and saying, hey, 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 no, honey, I got a better way for you i got a better path for you. I have more for you. And because I have more for you, I'm going to pull you up from where you are. Condemnation says you might as well not get up. Condemnation says when you fall on the ice, you're going to break your hip. You may as well just lay there. You and the dog can die. Okay, that's condemnation. That is not the voice of the Lord. Conviction says, uh-oh, maybe you should have worn some better shoes. Come on, let me help you up. <laughs> Come on, let me help you up. And that's the purpose of this message today. It is not to point out our faults and failures, our flaws, our sins, um, it is to give us hope. Somebody say hope. I want you to know 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that is the hope that we have. That is the hope that we have as believers. And I'd like for us to take a moment and look back at our opening passage because there is there's a lesson in this interaction that Jesus had with Peter. Peter. There's a lesson for every single one of us in this room because Jesus already conquered sin. He did. He already conquered sin. He already made a way for you. And so we can walk through that with him. Let's look back at Luke 22, starting at verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter he's talking to. That's his given name. Um, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, Jesus is speaking right to, to Peter. Hey, Satan's after you. I've prayed for you. You're going to fail when you come back to, and you know, and in, in Peter's, Peter's just what you would expect of his personality, right? He says, Lord, no. No, Lord, you you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. He says, I'm willing to go with you both to prison and to death. And you know what? Jesus just lovingly looks at him and he tells him, Peter, the sun's not going to come up tomorrow morning before you deny me three times. There's some lessons we can learn from this encounter. The first lesson is Satan wants to destroy you. Is that a newsflash to anybody today? I, I mean, I know people, we don't, he, here's here's what I'll tell you. Uh, we don't have to be scared of Satan, and we certainly don't want to elevate him. And if you think that, that like, there's a war between good and evil, and, like, God is good and Satan is evil, and they're battling it out, folks, that's the wrong view. I mean, like, Satan is a fallen angel, and God has all power. So there's not this, there's not this battle, right? Between God and Satan, we don't have to be afraid of Satan, but 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 we do need to know that he's real, and we do need to know that 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 um, that demons are after your soul. We don't have to be afraid of that. We just need to know that it's real. If you don't believe that there is a battle that is raging for your soul, I'm I'm telling you, you are gravely mistaken. You have a target on your back. And some people may think, well, I have a target on my back only because I'm a Christian. No, no. If you have air in your lungs, you have a target on your back right? And so if you're a Christian, it's, it's to try to pull you that way. If you're not a believer, then it's to, ca- it's to keep you complacent where you are so that you won't become a believer. Why? Because Satan's number one goal is to drag as many souls with him as he can to his eternal place of suffering in hell. You know that saying, misery loves company? Yeah, he's the one who wrote that. Like he he he's the he's the founder of that philosophy. That is him. And so he has seen so many times what God can do with a fully surrendered life. I mean, that's so apparent to him. He can see that it's so easy. So, before you accomplish what God has called you to do, Satan will try to destroy you, to prevent you from filling from to prevent you from fulfilling that purpose that God has for your life. You see, Satan wanted to destroy Peter, but Jesus responded, I'm doing everything I can to strengthen you, Peter. I'm praying for you. And then that's lesson two. God is fighting for you. Come on, somebody. God is fighting for you. If you don't get anything else out of this message, take lesson number two home with you. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom. When you're getting ready in the morning, look at that. God is fighting for you. Jesus told him, hey, I already know what's going to happen. Did you know I kind of already know everything? (laughs) I kind of know what's going to happen. I already know that. And I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Not that your faith wouldn't stumble. He tells him, he tells him you're going to fall. But I prayed that your faith would not fail. And two verses later, I mean, Peter is not having it. Peter is not having it. He is like, Lord, I am, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, But if you keep reading even further down in the story, you'll see um, in that passage, not only does Peter deny his relationship, he does it so emphatically, he swears. Um, He uses profanity to distance himself from the man just hours before that he said he would go forever to, to the ends of the earth to follow. And here's An incredible takeaway, Jesus understood that falling isn't failure. Jesus knew that Peter would sin. He knew he would forsake him. He knew he would betray him. Jesus was not surprised by any of this. I didn't say he was excited about it, but he wasn't surprised about any of this. And he certainly did not think that this was the end of the road for Peter. He didn't think this was the end of his faith. He didn't think that he was washed up spiritually. We all go through hard times. I, I would imagine I could say, raise your hand if you've never been through a hard time spiritually. And the only people that would raise their hand would be children who don't know that that's not the right thing to do. Um, <laughs> uh, because we all, if, if you've had, in, if you've like even had any baby step on the journey, right? It's, we, we've had struggles. We've had questions. We've had doubts. Now, if we just think about life, if we just think about those struggles, think about this week. I mean, why don't you look at somebody and say, hey, you're still standing. You're still standing. Why don't you look at somebody right now and say, you're still standing. Did you know that? Here's another comforting thought. If Satan could kill you, he already would have. Did you know that? I mean, you wouldn't be here. If he could, he, he already would have. Um, <laughs> you see, falling down is part of life, but it's getting back up that's really living. Right? Right? We go through these hard times, and sometimes we respond admirably. Have you loved seeing all these stories this week about the way that people have helped each other? Y'all, could you love H-E-B anymore? I mean, if you didn't already love H-E-B, just the kind things that, they're, that they've done in the community. I mean, just all these just great stories. But then sometimes, y'all, we are faced with struggles and encounters, and we fall. And not only do we fall, we fall hard, <laughs> We fall hard. And in Peter's case, this was one of these most miserable moments. But Jesus knew that one moment did not represent the entirety of Peter's faith journey. It was just one moment. It wasn't his whole life story. And that miserable moment for Peter, that low point, it did not define Peter. Why? Because Peter got back up. And Peter's faith actually would bounce back even stronger than it had been before. You see, in the midst of Jesus' words of encouragement to Peter, we see a very typical human response. Not me. I won't do that, Lord. And so that leads us to lesson three. Lesson three is we can be blind to our own faults. Oh, it's just me. I guess you all know that you I mean, you have an action plan, a life, life, life checklist of everything you're working through. I, I mean, even if you've got your, your life checklist from your life coach that you're working through, great. I want to tell you, you probably can still be blind to your, <laughs> to your shortcomings, right? To our own faults. This is a classic example of denial, I mean, you have the omniscient, all-knowing Lord of the universe telling you, "Hey, bro, this is going to happen." But you have the pride, you have the audacity to turn to the Lord of Glory and say, mm, "That's not within me, Lord. That, Lord, you don't know me. No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. You don't. you, you obviously don't understand. See." And, and we can kind of look at him and think, well, that's, I mean, wow, Peter. Um, but Peter, Peter was so convinced of that. I wonder how many times are we so convinced that we're on the right path, that we are, you know, we get, because, because when conflict arises or when struggles happen, it's just easier to lock in than it is to bow a knee and humble yourself to ask for forgiveness. This is for free. This isn't even in my notes. Hey, you know what? If somebody, if there's conflict with you and somebody else, it doesn't hurt you to be the bigger person and and ask for forgiveness. And please don't say if you've been offended, because that's not a real, you know, that's not a real apology. If you didn't know that, just say, hey, I'm sorry for how I hurt you. Even if it wasn't intentional, even if the person is being overly sensitive or whatever you want to do, it anyway, I'm, I'm gonna get back to preaching and stop meddling. It, it never hurts to be the bigger person. It doesn't. But so many times we can't. So many times we can't because this pride holds us captive. You see, the Lord knew Peter's heart. I love it when people say that, oh, God knows my heart. He does, honey, and that's probably not something to be proud of. I mean, I'm just speaking truthfully here. We're not, the Bible talks about our hearts, and, and I wish if, if, if our hearts were so great. If our hearts were so fabulous and there was all of this, you know what that would probably mean? That would probably mean that we wouldn't need a Savior. (laughs) That's probably what that would mean. Um, And so what I'm I'm sure what Peter was saying was probably his intention. It's what he wanted to be true, but it's not what was true. And here's something that might help you on your journey. Most times when we fall, we don't fall because we plan to. Most times, e- even the biggest mistakes in our lives, it's not usually because we made this elaborate plan to make this mistake. Now, sometimes we have these huge mistakes because we didn't plan not to fall, right? We didn't set safeguards in place in our lives. And maybe when, when our blind spots were exposed to us, we turned a blind eye, a deaf ear, and we just kept walking on. And then the fall was hard when we fell, we start out with good intentions. We allow small weeds to remain until their roots run deep. And then we become entangled with those roots. The Bible talks about, the Bible talks about how you can see this small, tiny little splinter in someone's eye. And you've got a beam larger than this pulpit in your own eye, and you can't even see it. Why? Because that's just, you know what? It's a lot easier. If, if if we're looking at, like we look at the scales, we look at justice and we look at how we view life. If we're looking at those things, uh, we judge everybody else by their actions or their perceived actions, but we want to be judged by our motives. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Well, well my, I didn't mean it to be that way, but many times we don't, I, I just, I feel like I'm meddling a lot this morning. I'm not even trying to talk about relationships. Maybe it's the Wednesday night stuff that we're doing that's bleeding over here. <laughs> Did you know that's why they're called blind spots? Did you know they're called blind spots? Just like with the car, you you know, you go to backup. Thankfully, we've got those um, backup cameras, and we've got one on ours. And I'll just confess, we, This is the first car that we've ever had the backup camera, so I still don't really use it like I should. And my son is always like, Mom, just look at the camera. Just because, you know, anything technology, he's going to be be right down on. And I would rather break my neck and look, you know, back here. Did you know that you have a backup camera in your spiritual life? It's the Word of God. It is. And and we don't have to be blind. We don't have to have these blind spots. We've got to surrender even those dark areas of our hearts over to God and be willing to accept correction. That's not a popular word. I, do y'all have tomatoes in your pockets? I hope not. You know what? You would have already given them to people who don't have food. Just maybe, just please don't I know it's not a popular, I know that's definitely not a popular word, correction. Mm. Um, we, <laughs> but we've got to be willing to receive that because God will show us. Listen, you know, I told you I had my journal out a lot this week. Because the Lord is, he's happy to show you your blind spots if you have a, if you have a minute to listen. If, if you've got a minute to jot it down, he'll tell you. He, you, know, you know that life plan? He'll give you a life plan. He'll give you action lists that you can follow up on. He's happy, he's delighted to do that. Okay, there's one more life lesson from this story. We've learned that Satan wants to destroy us. We've learned that God is fighting for us. We've learned that we are in denial so many times. But I want you to know, I'm so excited to tell you that the story does not end here. Even in the face of Peter's denial, Jesus gives him some powerful instructions. He says, when you return... When you return to me, strengthen the church. Lesson number four is God is in the restoration business. I want somebody in this room to know that God is in the restoration business. I hope you are grateful for that. Peter, his sin, there was already a a way made for that. There was already provision made for that. Jesus wanted him to know that all hope was not lost. Now, can you imagine the King of glory, the Lord of hosts, telling you, hey, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do to me, but I'm going to forgive you. And by the way, not only am I going to forgive you, I'm going to use you to establish my church. I mean, that just seems shocking. Did he not have a better candidate? Was there not anybody else that would have been a better candidate to do Jesus, um, for him to use to establish the church. In essence, what Jesus was saying to Peter was falling isn't failure. He was saying falling isn't failure. Get back up. And I know if you're like me, when I read these stories in scripture, I think, Lord, wouldn't it be great if you just said that to me? I mean, when I'm struggling, wouldn't it be great if, you know, you could just kind of have a moment with me and just say, Hey, yeah, you, you blew it but I'm here and and, and I'm going to, I'm going to still use you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to strengthen you. Wouldn't that be great? Well, you know what? He still does that. He still does that. He, there's a word that I'd like to share with you that I hope will be an encouragement. It's from Jeremiah 24 seven. It says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Now listen to this for they shall, what's that word? They shall return to me with their whole heart. Y'all, the Lord is speaking. Are we listening? The Lord is speaking. Are we listening? We can take comfort in knowing that we serve a God who believes in restoration. He is looking for our whole hearts today. And if you notice what he said in this passage, it sounds a whole lot like what he said to Peter. Because he said, when they return to me. That's what he said here in Jeremiah. That sounds a lot like what he told Peter. When you return to me, strengthen the church strengthen these other people. He knows our shortcomings, our sins, our temptations, our struggles. And he says, hey, none of that disqualifies you from being used in my kingdom. I want some of you to know in this house today, you think you've gone too far. You think you've messed up too much. You think that whatever spark of goodness that you had in your life that came from God, by the way, you think that you've messed up so much that you've diminished, that you've extinguished that spark. But I want you to know that as long as you have air in your lungs, there is anointing on you. The goodness of God is in your life and there is restoration in the house of God for you. He has not given up on you. He has got a great work for you to do. Now, listen, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the Lord is happy about all of this. I'm not saying it makes God happy when we sin. I'm not trying to to take it, um, for you to take it tritely or to not uh, be grieved when you sin. But I want you to know God's not shaken by your sin. He's not surprised and he is certainly not unprepared. So you can know that there's nothing <laughs> that you can do that's so terrible that is greater than the grace and the mercy of God. Grace isn't about excusing our sin. If that's what you think grace is about, you've got a very small view because it's so much bigger than that. Grace is covering our sin. Grace is erasing the effects of sin. Grace is making us whole in spite of our sin. And because he's already made a provision for it, we don't have to be beaten up. We don't have to wonder if we can overcome. I want you to know there is no power on this earth that can keep you from the goodness of the Lord in your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone is in Christ, I wonder if you can say that with me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want to know, what is the secret? What's the secret that this verse shares? It is to get in Christ. Here's what I want you to know. Those of us who just feel like we're struggling with sin so much and we can't get out of the pig pen, if we get our focus on God, if we come so close to him that we're in his presence, we're communing with him every day, we're going to be so wrapped up in who he is that we're not going to have time or energy or desire to be chasing after the sins of this world. We need to focus on his plan for our lives. We need to have a passion for his harvest. We need to be so consumed with the things of God that we don't have time to pursue anything that's not in his heart. And I want you to know, I want you to know you can do that. You can stay focused until your life is bearing fruit. You can stay focused until your life is fruitful in the Lord. If you want a window into what God can do when we fully surrender to him, look no further than the extreme makeover <laughs> experienced by Peter. The rest of Peter's story is remarkable. If you don't know it, I challenge you, read it. Peter, the one who vowed to follow Jesus to death, but cursed him just hours later, that loudmouth know-it-all, you know what he did? He used all of that to Usher in the kingdom of God on the day of Pentecost. God transformed Peter's bold brashness and he used it for the kingdom. I don't care how you were born. I don't care what bad trade. I don't care if it's, well, this is just my family temper. I don't care what you have. There's nothing that you have within you that God can't transform, that God can't redeem. The very thing that has been a curse in your life, God can turn around. He can redeem, and he can use that to accomplish great things in his kingdom. I wish somebody in this house believed that today. I wish somebody in this house today believed God's goodness is here for you. This Peter who turned his back on Jesus, this same Peter, would give it all for him. He was one of the most important leaders of the New Testament, but he fell. He forsook God's purpose for his life. And in that moment, I can only imagine those thoughts, those words that came back haunting him. See? you heard what he said. See, you're nothing but a failure. See, you can't even last this long. You can't even last this long. But I want you to know Peter showed us what to do. Peter showed us in his darkest moment, what voice was he listening to? He chose to listen to the voice of the Lord. Not the voice of, remember I talked about that, the difference between conviction and condemnation, not the voice of condemnation from the enemy. He chose to listen to the voice of the Lord. He hit rock bottom, but he got up. I want you to know when you hit rock bottom, you better get up. You better get up. You better not stay there. General George Patton once said, success is how high you bounce when you hit bottom. Peter hit rock bottom, but oh, the heights that that propelled his faith to, because he realized that falling wasn't failure. And as I bring this to a close today, I, I really, I want us to, to take this message and find a way for it to be applicable to our own lives. Now, when, when we live through Texas summer, I know, I know, like if, if I were preaching this in August Y'all would be like, yes, I know. Right now you're going to be like, it, I, I, we have such a short memory. But, but you know, Texans, we're historically grateful for air conditioning, right? I mean, maybe not this week, okay? But come back, like, I'll ask you in August, remind me. Somebody set a timer on your phone for me to remind you in August. Are you grateful for air conditioning, generally speaking? Yes? Okay, good. So then... I hope Mr. Charles Kettering made it to heaven. Um, If he did, we should thank him for that. In heaven, when we get there, he is responsible for inventing the refrigerant Freon along with a host of other things. He was um, an incredible inventor. He had 128 patents. He was the founder of Delco. He was the director of research for General Motors. This man was very well acquainted with success, but he trudged through countless experiences of falling short of his goal. For him, it just came with the territory. Charles Kettering gave some advice for when we fall. He said, once you've fallen short, analyze the problem and find out why. Because each time you fall is one more step leading up to the cathedral of success. The only time you don't want to fall is the last time you try. Folks, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. I'm not advocating sin. I'm not advocating falling. I'm just telling you, we're humans. And when we fall, you don't need to stay down. You don't need to stay down. You need to get back up. He offers three suggestions for how to respond when you fall. Number one, he says, honestly face defeat. Don't be like that person at the mall anybody see, oh, that wasn't me. No, don't be that person, okay? Be truthful about your shortcomings and please don't fake success. Another thing he says is don't waste it. Well, what in the world could that mean? You mean I I, I really messed up and you're saying don't waste it? It means don't waste a single time you fall down. Learn every single thing you can from it. Every bitter experience can teach you something. Did you know that? Every single terrible experience in our lives can teach us something if we allow it. And then, the, and then the last thing he said is, "Never use falling as an excuse for not trying again." You you may have consequences for falling. I'm not I'm not trying to to preach a Pollyanna message that's just mind over matter. And you know, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. I, don't, <laughs> I that we live in life. There are consequences. Okay, but. But none of that, none of that overshadows the grace of God. You can always make a new start. You, if you have air in your lungs, you can always be more wise. You can always be more sensitive. You can be renewed by the Holy Spirit and you can be more determined to do right. I read this anonymous quote one time If you stumble, make it part of the dance. If you stumble, Make it part of the dance. Why not use your falling to move you forward? You see, Jesus has already choreographed a plan to move you beyond your sin. So don't pretend it didn't happen. The worst thing you can do with sin is to, to, to just bury it, sweep it under the rug. That's the worst thing you could do. There's no reason to be shrouded in a cloak of shame but surrender your sins and struggles to him and let him be the choreographer of your dance. I'm here to encourage you today that falling is not failure. Falling is not failure. I wonder, I wonder if you'd stand with me right now. I've got a verse that I'm gonna just read over us. I'm going to, here's, what, here's what I'd like to do. I wanna read it over us And then I want us to read it again. And I want you to read it with power and passion in your voice. And I want you to receive the words of this voice in your spirit right now. Micah 7, 8, it says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Can you read it with me? I want you to, if, if you feel comfortable, do it. Why don't you just raise your hand, like in a position to receive. I want you to, to read this verse. Let's shout it out to him right now. You ready? Let's go. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I want you to know today's message is a message of hope. Today's message is that when I fall, even when I fall big time, I've got the power of the Lord in my life. I can still get back up because falling is not failure. Why don't we praise him for that one more time? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have a time of prayer here in just a moment. I want you to know that you can rest in knowing that your destiny is does not have to be defined by your sin and your shortcomings as a matter of fact you can trust god's eternal vision as a matter of fact god already knows about your sin he's not afraid of it he's made provision and we've made provision today we got the baptistry ready we're gonna have a baptism here in just a little bit so stick around don't leave it's gonna be awesome and if you're here and you're struggling with the weight of sin and you're thinking, what should I do with this? I want you to know God is here to receive. He's here to receive you. He's here to call you His own. And we're here. You can take your next step. You can be baptized right here today in the beautiful name of Jesus to wash away every sin that you've ever committed. I want you to know there is power there's forgiveness, there is restoration in the blood of Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to pray a prayer over us. And and I, I, I just, I know God's going to move. I believe there's going to be healing of emotional and spiritual wounds. I think that we've been carrying baggage that we've never been intended to carry. I'm going to pray that over us. And you can come up right while I'm praying, or if you, you can wait till I'm done praying, it doesn't matter. We've got, we've got room up here for everybody to safely pray and be socially distanced. We can come to the front and we can do that. I want this entire place to be a place of prayer. I want this entire place to be a place of prayer. Why don't you close your eyes? raise your hands up to him right now. Dear God, we are in this place right now, and it is not an accident. We are here in this place right now, and it is your divine appointment. Lord, every person under the sound of my voice, every person under the sound of my voice, we have struggled with sin. Lord, we desire to live a way that is pleasing to you. We are tired of walking in our own path. We are tired of walking our own way. We surrender to you, God. Lord, we repent right now of everything that's not pleasing to you. We repent of every time we chose our own path instead of choosing yours. We repent of every time we walked in our own way, God. We call upon the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And so right now, Lord, on this side of glory, we surrender. On this side of heaven, God, we bow our knee and we say, Lord, forgive us. We say thank you, Lord, for restoration. We say thank you that no sin, no sorrow, no suffering is great enough to separate me from you and so we surrender completely over to you right now we surrender completely over to you right now lord i pray let your healing let your emotional healing your spiritual healing flow in this place the blood of jesus binds and expels every spirit of condemnation the blood of jesus loses a spirit of victory in this house today the blood of jesus binds and expels every spirit of doubt and disillusionment, the blood of Jesus loses a spirit of joy and hope and peace and goodness in this house today, God. We will give you the praise and we will give you the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. I wonder if you could receive that right now. Why don't we praise him? Why don't we praise him? Why don't you come forward for prayer right now? We're here to pray with you. We're here to believe that God is the author of our destiny. For the good for the positive for the right and we can surrender everything over to him right now let's go to him in prayer right now let's worship him right now throughout this house in jesus name oh come to the altar hallelujah jesus we worship you in this house right now god we worship you we thank you jesus lord everything you would have for us right now we want it god we claim it in this house today we claim your blessings we claim your goodness we claim your mercy jesus